Blog Talk Radio. Jean-Luc, Jordy Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transporter, deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crusher's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Wyke is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. But that awesome song is time for the most awesomest, awesomest episode of Trek Talk, and it's ever hit the airwaves. We have a really great show planned for you guys tonight, but first, let me introduce my awesome Trek experts. Let's start off with Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, man, I am doing great. We are uh, sitting at a cool 68 degrees, and it is total spring-like weather here in Portland. We got people out on the basketball court masked up playing uh, games across the street here. It is springtime, and I am feeling good. Excited about tonight's episode, guys. It's going to be fun. we got a lot to talk about. We also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Well, we're a little warmer than Eric. We're about mid-70s, though I'm not looking forward to the weekend where they're saying, oh, we're going to get a small peak in temperature. We might float right around the 90s. No, too early to see 90 degrees already. Luckily, it's going to be a cool down right after. Well, so it's going to uh, be a warm well, one. I, I, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I'm stuck up here in Vermont, and it is currently snowing and in the 30s. So uh, it's very cold here, very blustery. It's like an April Fool's Day joke, but it's on me. Uh, I think Leslie got a couple of inches of snow up in Saranac Lake actually, but that's okay because it's going to be 50 on Saturday, so go figure, right? Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We'll be with you guys live for the next couple of hours, so give us a call and join our conversation. we got some great stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Star Trek Enterprise, the pilot episode, uh, which I actually just finished watching a few minutes ago, Broken Bow, and also the series finale, these are the voyages. Now, I know there's a lot of opinions on both sides of these episodes, so we're going to break that down and talk about it tonight. But we also have some really great stories to talk about. We have another episode of Shatner Says What? Just how many times has he watched Star Trek? Well, we're going to find out. Uh, We'd also like to say congratulations to Heno Culpepper on Star Trek Picard. Congratulations for what? Well, you'll have to hang out to find out. Also, Tom Petty visited the Bridge of the Enterprise. When and where did that happen? Also, Voyager documentary gets a name, and Nimoy gets his own day. We have Star Trek birthdays, fan shout-outs, and around the globe. So we have a really great show planned for you guys. Once again, our number is 646-668-2433. We would absolutely love to hear from you guys. Uh, Shannon might be listening right now. 
and hopefully Shannon's feeling well enough to give us a call and join the conversation. We always have a seat at the table for Shannon. Once again, visit us on our Facebook page at Truck Talking and Beyond. Uh, tell us where you're listening from, and maybe you will be featured in a fan shout-out. But before we can do that, I have to turn things over to Eric, and he has to go around the globe. So, Eric, get us started this week. Thanks, Jim. Uh, I'm super excited this week because uh, if you remember last week, we actually set a record with one of our international, uh, our top international uh, listening com- country. And guess what? We did it again this week. So that's right. Uh, you know, three quarters of our listeners come from the United States, where we all hail from. But in our number one slot for international listeners, setting a new record is the UK with 5.3% of our listeners. They just keep edging up and up, and we have never had an international country be higher than that. I, I'm just, I'm stunned. I'm, thank you guys so much. Thank you all, everyone in the UK for listening to us, for downloading our show. We just really appreciate it, and it's so awesome that more than 5% of our listeners come from uh, your wonderful set of countries there. So that's, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, in our number two spot, we have Australia. Pretty much sitting where they were last week with 3.94% of our listeners. Thank you, folks down under. In our number three international listening spot, we have our brothers and sisters to the north, Canada, with 3.05, up just a skosh from last week. Uh, so thank you all for continuing to listen to us and support us. You know, Canada was out of it for a little bit, guys, but, uh, but they came back strong, and they've been in this number three spot for a few weeks now, so I'm excited about that. Uh, still in our top five uh, from months ago and, and hanging tough, we've got in that number four spot Norway with 2.51% of our listeners. Thank you, everyone out there in Norway. We really appreciate you listening. And in our number five slot, they just came in a couple weeks ago, and they're, they're holding steady. Uh, we have Germany with 1.31% of our listeners. So thank you, Germany, uh, and thank you, everyone who listens to us. Uh, you know, we, uh, we all are friends, and we might sit around and talk about Star Trek by ourselves, but it is so much more fun to do it when we know our folks out there are listening as well. So thank Absolutely. you very much. Listen, guys, I know that there's a huge, uh, what is it, a six or an eight time, uh, hour time delay between UK and here, um, something like that. But anyways, whether you're listening to us live right now or whether you're listening to us on Saturday, Sunday, or Tuesday on a, whatever platform you get your podcast from, doesn't matter. Um, what I want to do for you guys is the, the first person, the first two people from the UK that visit our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, and send me a message and say, Hi, Uncle Jim, I heard on the show, you know, I'm from the U.K., I'm going to send you out a special gift. It's my way of saying thank you. I'm going to drop it in the mail, and I'm going to send you something. All you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, drop us a message and say, Hey, Uncle Jim, I was listening to the show. Just say hello, send me a message, and I will send you something special. So please. Please do that if you're listening. It doesn't have to be now. It doesn't have to be live. Um, whenever you listen, first two fans from the UK that send us a message at our Facebook at our uh, Facebook page, I'll send you something in the mail. It's my way of saying thank you. And once again, if you'd like to be mentioned individually in a fan shout out, visit our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from Trek Talking, 
That means I've picked your name and you'll be mentioned in a shout out. So Eric, who do we have to say thank you to this week? Well, our very first fan shout out this week goes to somebody from uh, round about my stomping grounds here, Eula Landry from Oregon here in the United States. Thank you for listening so much, and thanks for giving us a shout-out on our Facebook page. Uh, it's great to know that we've got lots of folks here in Oregon listening to us, and we really appreciate you, Eula. Thank you so much. Uh, Daniela Kriesel is listening from Magdeburg, Germany. That is not a town that I have heard of before, but I promise to look it up because I'd love to know more about it. Daniela, sounds like a nice place, and thank you very much for listening to us. We're also sending out a big shout-out and hello to Piotr Zadnik from Bielsko Biala in Poland. Guys, have we ever had anybody from Poland shout out to us before? I don't remember. I, uh, I don't think so. Piotr may be our very first. So if, if that is the case, uh, you are a very special person to us, having been the first person who contacted us from uh, your fine country of Poland. So thank you so much for listening to us. We're also getting a big fan, top fan shout out to Ivan Oli from Deepak Jawaharat in Indonesia. Yes, way down in Indonesia. I was just uh, looking down there a little bit, learning a little bit more about Indonesia today myself via the uh, television show Carmen Sandiego with my kids. So, uh, Ivan, we love Indonesia. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. And also Nikola Konkarevich from Belgrade in Serbia. Oh, my gosh, we're getting all kinds of really cool countries today. Nicola, thank you so – or it's probably Nicola. Thank you so much for listening to us. And my final fan shout-out goes out to Kelly Tharp. She says, Oregon, and remember the premiere of Star Trek with Majel as number one. Kelly Tharp, wow, you, you sound like you're probably from Jim's generation, and I love that. So many great Star Trek fans, old and new, join us every single week. And it's great to hear from you, Kelly Tharp. Thank you so much for listening to us. And isn't Oregon awesome? I agree. Charles, who's on your list? Well, it's Aaron Taylor from Northeast Texas. Lindsay Butcher from Pennsylvania. Tom Grimoire from North Arkansas. And now I have I got Martin Kessler from South Africa. That's a good And even farther, Claude Dallas from France. Boy, talk about some distance. How about Uncle Jim? Well, we'd like to say uh, hello and thank you to Jonathan Elliott from Massachusetts, uh, right around the corner from where I'm at right now. We'd also like to say hello and thank you to Terry M. from Long Island, New York. Represent. Been there many times. Again, just a few short hours from where I'm sitting right now. We'd also like to say live long and prosper, and thank you so much to Jeff Barber from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Uh, Still not too far, about eight hours or so from me, so pretty close so far. Unfortunately, uh, Mattel the Horner comes from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, just a tad farther, so I won't be going there to visit. Oh, oh God, here comes AJ. Hours. <laughs> AJ is here. So if you guys hear my headphones going in and out or purring in my ear, that's just AJ, my cat. 
And we'd also like to say hello and thank you so much, Stephen J. Foley, who's listening from us right now in Scotland. Uh, my grandfather is from Scotland, so that's pretty awesome. Thank you guys for listening to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we couldn't really do the show without you. AJ, without you guys. So thank you so much. And now we're going to do our Star Trek birthday. But first we have to hear our Klingon birthday song, which I'm trying to find, but my cat is rubbing his nose on my face and I can't find it. Um, there it is. Okay, here we go. This is live, people. That was not a Klingon song. So every week we start off with our Klingon birthdays, and we always take a moment first to remember those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. So who do we have to remember this week, Eric? Yeah, we have uh, quite a few folks who have gone before us uh, in the Star Trek world that we'd like to remember this week. Uh, All these folks would have had a birthday this week. The first one we'd like to talk about is Peter Marco, who played Lieutenant Gaetano in the TOS episode The Galileo 7. Um, he, of course, was one of the lieutenants on uh, on that shuttle, uh, and I looked up his profile, and he apparently was a radiation specialist aboard uh, the Enterprise. So great job with that role for Peter Marco, and Lieutenant Gaetano certainly was a character that we, we know, and we lost too soon uh, in that episode. So happy birthday to Peter Marco. We're also saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Philip Allen, who, of course, played Captain J.T. Esteban in Star Trek III. He was the captain of the USS Grissom, um, the, the science vessel key to and uh, central to that movie, of course. So uh, Philip Allen did a great job with that captain rule, uh, and we do miss him. We're also saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Ed Peck, who played Lieutenant Colonel Fellini in the TOS episode Tomorrow is Yesterday. Uh, he was one of the Air Force officers. You might remember that as, as a, uh, a back-in-the-60s uh, TOS episode, and he was, of course, one of the Air Force officers on the base there that, uh, that Spock and uh, Kirk had to deal with. So uh, happy birthday to Ed Peck. We're also remembering this week Barbary Dowling, who played Edith McCulley. In the, VO, uh, in the Voyager episode, Spirit Folk. Uh, and the interesting thing about her is, uh, well, you might remember that as one of those Fairhaven holodeck episodes from the Voyager days. Uh, and Edith McCulley was uh, integral to that episode, Spirit Folk. Uh, but not only was she on Star Trek, but of course she's connected to Star Trek in another way. She is married to Colm Meany. So uh, double connection to Star Trek there. For Barbara Dowling, um, we do miss her. I'm sure Cole misses her. Uh, she did a great job in that Voyager episode, and uh, we do miss miss her very much. So happy birthday to her. We're saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Ron Sobel, who played Wyatt Earp in the TOS episode Spectre of the Gun, I think one of the quintessential TOS episodes out there. We're also remembering Arnold Moss who played Anton Caridian slash Kodos the Executioner from the TOS episode, 
Conscience of the King, uh, which is an episode we've talked about at length, both related to the episode itself and, of course, to the uh, Discovery Era book that came out related to that. So Arnold Moss is somebody uh, who I think uh, we think of immediately when we think of uh, Kodos the Executioner. His face is synonymous with that role. So happy birthday and remembrances to him. We're also sending out our remembrances to Richard Kiley, who played Gideon Setik in the DS9 episode Second Sight. Also, John Paul Stoyer, from, uh, who played Alexander Rojenko in the TOS, uh, in the TMG, excuse me, episode Reunion, the uh, one of our couple of iterations of, uh, of Worf's son. Uh, so happy birthday and remembrances going out to John Paul Stoyer. We're also saying happy birthday and sending out uh, our remembrances to Grace Lee Whitney, who played Yeoman Janice Rand, I think uh, one of the, I think, most recognizable characters from the TOS era. Um, she's known for, for so many things, including her amazing beehive hairdo. Um, she did make her way into the movies as well, which was, or excuse me, uh, into uh, Voyager, which was really cool. Uh, it was nice to kind of see her reappear uh, in a later iteration of Star Trek and uh, someone that I just really think is a cool character. Um, kind of always had that tension with Kirk, you know. So Grace Lee Whitney, we sure do miss her, and we, we miss that character of Yeoman Janice Rand. And uh, Jim, did you want to introduce our uh, our final one for this week, which, of course, is uh, probably one of the biggest names in all of Star Trek? Yeah, I have a, a really nice soundbite that I want to play for this next person. Uh, this next person would have been 90, and this was the, would be the first time that somebody other than William Shatner actually uh, said this incredibly famous monologue, which I'm about to play for you guys, and um, I hope you guys enjoy it. frontier. These are the continuing voyages of the starship Enterprise. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. And, of course, he has a big connection to tonight's show. And who are we talking about, Eric? We, of course, are talking about Leonard Nimoy, who would have been 90 years old this week. Uh, One of the biggest losses I think um, the Star Trek community has ever suffered. I think if if you were to talk to almost anyone out there on the street who is not a Star Trek fan and you said Star Trek, they would say Spock back to you. Um, So I just think that's a really special position to be in. Uh, and it's nice to see that his legacy has continued through, uh, you know, appearing in Star Trek Discovery uh, way into the future, which I think is is a pretty cool homage to a great character um, and a great man uh, in terms of the his Star Trek legacy. So happy birthday, Leonard Nimoy. Uh, we miss you. Uh, I had an opportunity yeah, to meet Leonard Nimoy at a Star Trek convention. Oh, back in 1990-ish, 89-ish. And I got to tell you, he was incredible. Um, Mm. He had a presence when he was up there talking. 
And afterwards on the autograph line, when I got a chance to meet him, um, I, it was, I'm t- he was, it was like meeting Mr. Spock. Really. Mm-hmm. He is, he was such a, 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 a poised professional. Um, he just, it was incredible. You felt like you were around greatness uh, when you met Leonard Nimoy, but he was very easy to talk to. He very open and very outgoing, very friendly guy. And uh, it, it's, you know, him meeting him and DeForest Kelly were two of the highlights of my convention going career back in the late eighties. So um, I really, really miss him a lot. And it's, it's really a shame that a lot of didn't get a chance to, interact with him one-on-one at conventions. Um, he's was really a big loss. Well, unfortunately. one and, thing uh, is I never got to, I never get to call, catch him at a convention. But I see one very interesting perspective of Leonard Nimoy is find the audio book, I Am Spock, which is the sequel to I Am Not Spock. And he talks a lot about what what went on in his years in Star Trek, and it's a fascinating fascinating story to listen to because the audio book is read by him, and he's got a fascinating history with what went on the years of TOS and through the movies. He's a fascinating and actually. Man. We're going to talk about Leonard Nimoy's history in tonight's show, and uh, we have a caller on the line here. Let's see, let's see who we have. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello. Can you hear us? Okay. Well, you're live. <laughs> the number looks familiar. I think. I think. This is a familiar number. We'll just leave the line open. Yeah, not that we ever have those on a live show. (laughs) Never. Never. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) but anyways, uh, we have a lot to talk about as far as Leonard Nimoy goes tonight. So if you guys are are Leonard Nimoy's fans, you definitely want to hang in there because we've got some good stuff in the news to talk about with Leonard Nimoy. And uh, Charles, let's see. I don't know. We got about a minute and a half. Uh, we'll wait. Charles and I will continue to birthdays after we take our our first commercial break of the evening. But we got about a minute and a half. Uh, Eric, did you ever get an opportunity to meet Leonard at a convention? No, I never did. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, my convention is, experience is pretty limited, and I was never able to cross paths with him. Uh, I can tell you that the first time that I really remember having a very strong Spock experience, I will say that you know I, I sort of grew up at the at the public library watching old TOS episodes on sixteen millimeter, but the one that I really remember was when the first time I saw Wrath of Khan and the whole scene. Uh, with him and Kirk on opposite sides of the glass. And I still think of that scene all the time and just like, I don't know, what that portrays in Star Trek lore, you know, the friendship, the sacrifice, the needs of the many kind of moniker being played out uh, before us. So, yeah, I have some very, very good memories of Leonard Nimoy, despite the fact that I never actually got to meet the guy. Yeah, he he was definitely a treasure. Um 
beat. There's just no way to put it in words. Well, listen, guys, we have to take our first commercial break of the night. We still have a lot of birthdays to go through, still some good ones to come up, so you don't want to miss that. And we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about in Star Trek news, so don't touch that dial. Run, don't walk to the bathroom, and come right back here because you don't want to miss any of the fun. We'll be right back after we hear this message about Star Trek Lower Decks coming to Blu-ray. We're more like the cool, scrappy underdogs of the ship. We're actually way down here. Coming soon to Blu-ray and DVD. Ensign, the bridge is yours. Maintain course. From the writer and executive producer of Rick and Morty. Tell me what your bridge crew did. We're Lower Decks. No one ever tells us what's going on. Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1. We get to focus on the unsigned heroes of Starfleet. Banana. Huh. Ah, freaking burn me. With two hours of special features. Everybody working on Lower Decks wants to make the best show possible. One episode takes about a year. Are you serious? Including cast interviews. I'm Tony Newsom. Zach Quaid. I'm Jerry O'Connell. If I were to sum up the first season, it would be double picture coverage. Deleted and extended scenes. It's not a race. Easter egg. We're going to get Spock helmet in there. It is fun to put in Easter eggs. And so much more. Mariner drives her captain crazy. Live long and prosper. Don't you give me that sarcastic book and salute. Go big. This is going to be awesome. Go full. I am the good And bring home. This is something you've never seen before. Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1. Long range sensors have located a very sexy. <gasps> oh, no. Definitely no. Phone no. on DVD, Blu-ray, and Blu-ray Steelbook. And we're back, and uh, we're going to continue on with our Star Trek birthdays. And for that, we're going to turn to Charles. So, Charles, who's on your list this week? Well, let's start off with Ray Reinhold, who played Vice Admiral Aaron in TNT's episode Conspiracy. Annie Wershing played Liana from Enterprise Oasis. Casey King. And we're saying, well, who's that? He played the second iteration of Ichabod. He played it in Picard, Star Trek, Star City Rag. So we were a little sad to see how that character turned out in that episode. Echub, yeah, poor Echub. Yeah. Yeah. Antonio Kuma. Played Nibarian leader in Star Trek 2009. Kendra Green played Michael Burnham, a.k.a. Michael Burnham's natural father. In Discovery's Perpetual Infinity, and was also in the short, short Trek, The Girl Who Made the Stars. Is that true? We should think he's married to Sonequa? Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Very interesting. I did not know that. He played Michael Burnham's father, Michael, and he's married to Michael Burnham, to Sonequa Martin-Green. That's a pretty cool tie-in. That's wild. Yeah, that's interesting. Marlon McQueen played Mizaki in Voyager's Collective, Ashes to Ashes, Child's Play, Haunting of Dex 12 and Imperfection. Chris Walsh, Walsh, with Admiral Selena Tall, Tall, in Discoveries, People of Earth, and Forget Me Not. 
That was the admiral they were looking for. <clears throat> we found our two new characters. And my last one on my list is actually not an actor, but is still very well known in Star Trek, and that is Doug Drexler, who was a makeup artist, VFX, art, ship design, in both the TVs and movies. Doug Drexler's done a lot to do the look of Star Trek. How about you, Uncle Jim? Well, I'm going to wrap up our birthdays. I've got some good ones here, absolutely. Um, We're going to start off by saying happy birthday to Melvin Caesar Bell, who played Stephen O'Connell in the TOS episode and the Children Shall Lead. He was one of the kids that stood around banging their hands together uh, to take control of the Enterprise. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Daryl Hendricks, who played Portal 63, in the TNG episode, The Last Outpost, and also Ambassador Nonclus in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. There will never be a better time. Um, this next one, there's some background noise going on here, and I yeah. don't know why. Um, the next I was one just trying to say that uh, Ambassador Nonclus has a fantastic attack wing card as well. Yes, as, yes, he does. Um, this next one really caught me by surprise because I've never seen a Star Trek uh, actor who came from my hometown. So this one is particularly interesting to me. We'd like to say happy birthday to Jessica Collins, who played Linus Paris in the Voyager episode before and after. She actually was... Um, uh, Kess's mother or the older Kess type of, it's kind of like a time traveling one of them stories and she plays uh, Kess's mother in that episode but that's not what caught me by surprise what caught me by surprise is that she comes from Schenectady New York that's where I was born that's where my wife was born um, that's where my daughter was born and when I see that name show up somewhere, it catches me by surprise. And Jessica Collins hails from Schenectady, New York. So happy birthday to Jessica Collins. And the next one is, is somebody that we all know. We'd like to say happy birthday to Jacqueline Kim, who, of course, played Ensign Damara Sulu in Generations. Uh, the Enterprise just wouldn't be the same without a Sulu at the helm. Happy birthday. Um, we'd also like to say happy birthday to John DeVries, who played Wilson, Victor, and Walter Granger, the clones, from the TNG episode Up the Long Ladder. Happy birthday to John. And uh, here's one that, that's interesting. We, it's too bad her birthday wasn't a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the Romulans. We'd like to say happy birthday to Orla Brady, who played Laris in the Picard episode, Remember, Maps and Legends. And the end is the beginning. Her character was great in the Picard comic book series, by the way. We get to learn a lot about how she ended up there. I posted a deleted scene on our Facebook page of her working on the vineyard and some of the other um, wine pickers making fun of her and Picard seeing them and going down to the, to the, uh, 
to the vineyard and scolding them for making fun of her. That was a great scene, and I don't know why they would cut that from the episode, but you guys can find it on our Facebook page. I always do the Klingons last, but not this week, because we have an even bigger one that I say for last. We like to say kapla to Susan Howard, who played the very first Klingon female that we ever see in Star Trek. Uh, she appears in the TOS episode Day of the Dove as Mara. So happy birthday to Susan Howard. And the one, the big one that I say for last is particularly special for me because in 1991, I hosted my very first Star Trek convention up in Albany, New York. And the guest, one of the guest stars that we had was Marina Sirtis. Of course, Deanna Troy from TNG. This was right around the time of Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Uh, it was a huge sellout both days. We sold out the entire convention center, and she was just charming. She, she is she's special. If you ever get a chance to see Marina or if you have already seen her, you know that when she's up on stage, if you get up to go to the bathroom, she's going to yell at you. She's going to ask you, where are you going? Get back here. She's just she's funny. We had a life-size cardboard cutout of Captain Kirk from Star Trek V. Uh, that was promoting the video sales and uh, she got up on stage and she went over there and she said that's not my captain and she took Captain Kirk and kind of put him down the other way so that uh, he wasn't standing on the stage with her she was a hoot and a half so happy birthday to Marina Sirtis Uh, I know that you guys have had an opportunity to run into her at a convention at some point you've got to I know Charles probably has right yeah. Oh, go ahead, Eric. You, oh, I was yeah. just going to say, I, I haven't met her in person, but, you know, these the they've been doing a lot of these virtual events uh, since COVID last year, and so I almost feel like I've met her, <laughs> even though I haven't had a chance to. But, uh, but yeah, she's really something special, and I think she the, the one of my favorite parts about her playing Troy is the fact that when they brought her into Picard, she – had shown so much growth, I think, as a person and as somebody who really understood Picard and just was able to just interpret his thoughts uh, almost before he was. Um, so great writing on their part. And Marina Sirtis just does a fantastic job. I've seen her on many virtual things. I've never met her in person, though. How about you, Charles? Not directly in person, but I've seen her on panels on stage and virtual. But I think the panel that that hit, hit me the most was I think it was the TNG's 30th or 35th anniversary, the one they just had, and they had most of the cast come on stage, and that was just a riot to see how these people react to each other. But they were just and- a great TNG. I think TNG was the first time where the cast really got along and they really liked being around each other. And I think that shows on stage that they really care about each other, really are a great group. And she does a great Patrick Stewart impersonation, by the way, too, um, of old Baldy. She does a great impersonation <laughs> of Patrick. It's a great so, name, Old Baldy. <laughs> that's what she calls him on stage, Old Baldy. 
So that's great. Anyways, that's and ironically we talked that. about her. Ironically, we're celebrating her birthday today with the episode we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. That's right. It all works out. You would almost think that I yeah. planned it that way, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, so now we get to move on to Star Trek News. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Okay, guys, all the stories that we're going to talk about in our Star Trek news section can be found and read in their entirety on our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. I just kind of summarized them to give you guys the highlights, but please go and read the entire articles if you're interested. And, Eric, why don't you get us started off on Leonard Nimoy's birthday? You bet. I have a pretty exciting one. Uh, we were just talking about how he is the quintessential Spock and sort of the face of Star Trek, and yet he did have a sci-fi career beyond Star Trek. Uh, as Star Trek fans remember Leonard Nimoy on what would have been his 90th birthday, they will, quite logically, remember his many magnificent performances as Mr. Spock. But even had Nimoy never played the half-Vulcan, half-human enterprise science officer, he's still likely to be more than familiar to science fiction fans. Leonard Nimoy's earliest Hollywood role was Nareb in the gloriously and goofily named 1952 12-part Republic serial Zombies of the Stratosphere. (laughs) Unlike his Star Trek co-stars William Shatner and George Takei, Nimoy never had a major role in a Twilight Zone story. In the 1961 episode, Equality of Mercy, he plays a U.S. soldier in World War II named Hanson, but he isn't the episode's star. Leonard Nimoy also did headline an installment of the 1960s other great science fiction anthology TV series, The Outer Limits. In the 1964 episode, I, Robot, Nimoy portrays newspaper reporter Judson Ellis. He is covering the trial of the robot Adam, accusing him of killing his own creator. In 1978, Leonard Nimoy starred as psychiatrist Dr. David Kibner in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, a remake of the 1956 horror classic. In the 1954 science fiction uh, uh, creature feature, Them, Leonard Nimoy had an even smaller part than he had in Zombies of the Stratosphere. He played an unnamed officer serving in what seems to be an Army X-Files outfit uh, investigating all sorts of strange phenomena, including flying saucers. It did presage Nimoy's tenure, uh, which is 1976 to 1982, as host of the documentary series In Search Of. In each episode, Nimoy guided viewers on a tour of such enduring, unexplained mysteries as Bigfoot, Atlantis, the fate of Amelia Earhart, ESP, the Loch Ness Monster, and more. Leonard Nimoy also appeared in several episodes of creator J.J. Abrams' cult favorite series, Fringe, uh, from 2008 to 2013. He played Dr. William Bell, the mega-rich founder and CEO of research and tech behemoth Massive Dynamic. In Bell's alternate universe, Massive Dynamic appears to be headquartered in the World Trade Center, which survived the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. He also, which I think this is so cool, he voiced Galvatron 
in the 1986 Transformers movie, and Mr. Moundshroud in The Halloween Tree from 1993, a film narrated by and based on the works of science fiction grandmaster Ray Bradbury. The voice and face of Leonard Nimoy lives on for science fiction fans, but his work as Spock remains his most enduring contribution to the genre. And I don't think uh, it's, it's any small thing, uh, what Charles was talking about, the fact that uh, he is a joy to listen to on any book he narrates. So I, I second Charles's uh, recommendation for yeah. listening to that book rather than reading it because, I don't know, there's something about his voice that is just mesmerizing to me. Um, but it's cool to know that he starred in so many other cool science fiction things that weren't uh, that weren't Star Trek. I knew about some of these before the article, but there were a few in here that were surprises to me that I didn't know about, which was pretty cool. I, I love Invasion of the Body Snatchers myself. That's a great movie. Yeah, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is amazing. And the fact that he was actually in the Transformers movie, the 86 Transformers movie, that to me, too, was just so cool. I remember when I first saw that movie and I heard that voice, I was like, that's Leonard Nimoy. That's absolutely Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, something really special and a, and a long and storied career that went outside of Star Trek uh, in addition to, of course, being quintessential Star Trek. So, yeah. So, Jim, you're up next. What you got for us? Well, in our ongoing feature, Shatner says, what? Um, what? William Shatner reveals he has never watched an episode of Star Trek. It's all painful. Believe it or not, mm. uh, William Shatner may be best known for his role in Star Trek, but the veteran actor has never even seen an episode of the iconic show. Shatner, who turned 90 last week, said that it's too painful to watch himself act as Captain James T. Kirk. He said, I have never watched Star Trek. There are many episodes I don't know. There are some movies I don't know. He added that he did watch one of the franchise's many movies, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, but only because he directed it. I had to watch that one, he said, but it's all painful because I don't like the way I look and what I do. You know what? That that blows my mind right there. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure if I totally believe it either. Because Star Trek's it's, been on TV yeah. for 55 years, and to think that you haven't caught it on some channel at some time in, in 90 years of life, I find just unfathomable to, to, to believe that. But he says it's true. <laughs> So it must be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It does seem a little. It does seem a little unbelievable. I mean, it's, that's a lot of years for you to be in a franchise and you've never seen an episode uh, of something you've been in for that long. I, I mean, I guess it could be true, but um, yeah, some people it, it don't kinda, watch TV. I know, I know that's yeah, true. But that's gosh, true. I mean, he says here in this article that he doesn't watch it because he doesn't like seeing himself. So that's kind of. That's also very interesting. <laughs> Probably somebody could yeah. on that. Yeah, that was just an interesting story I thought might be fun. Uh, but Charles, Charles, you got an interesting one that I, I thought would be yeah, fun but... to throw in here. Oh, definitely an interesting one. Yeah, Star, Trek tur- Star Trek turns 55 to the awesome photo of the icon Tom Petty hanging around out on the Enterprise. 
Star Trek celebrated 50th, 55th anniversary in 2021. And if you're like me, you have no idea what gifts to give on such an occasion. Social media account of Tom Petty seemed to figure it out. So, uh, so as fans of the series and the musician were amused and amazed by this awesome photo of the singer aboard the USS Enterprise, the light singer's Twitter account has posted some cool snapshots in the past, and it certainly has been one of the best. The design of the ship is from the era of Star Trek, that of the original series. Although there seems to be a debate as to whether the photos were taken, where the photos were taken. Right now, the prevailing theory is it wasn't on the set, but rather the Star Trek Adventures attraction featured Universal Studios. We can go back and forth all day in the specifics, but at the end of the day, Tom Petty hung out in some set the Enterprise, and that's pretty cool. You take a look at that, because that, cool. I definitely would like to see that. It is, it is pretty cool. And, and the picture they're talking about is on our Facebook page, but the particular picture they're talking about, if you guys remember the, the Universal Star Trek um, adventure, the, the picture where he's sitting is actually taken from the bridge of the uh, Reliant, which gets taken over by Klingons. Uh, it's not on right. the actual bridge of the Enterprise that you as the fans sit on. So that's what makes me think they might be right. But it's an interesting picture, and I thought it was a fun story to throw out there, so... That's pretty cool. Oh. If you're a Tom Petty. Definitely a good memory of Tom Petty, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And, uh, but, Eric, we're not done with Leonard Nimoy yet, are we? We are not. We have even more Leonard Nimoy news this week. Leonard Nimoy, the touching Star Trek moment that made Spock star, quote, bursts into tears. Leonard Nimoy died in 2015, but he had managed to reprise his iconic role uh, in J.J. Abrams' first two Star Trek reboot movies. Nimoy had taken some persuading to return as Spock, having turned down 1994's Star Trek Generations, which Shatner starred in opposite Patrick Stewart's Jean-Luc Picard. Nimoy ended up playing an older Spock, who went back in time in a movie that Abrams had told him they could not make without the star and would not attempt if he didn't sign on. According to his wife, Susan Bay, after the conversation about him reprising the Vulcan in 20, uh, 2009's Star Trek, the actor had remained silent and emotionally overwhelmed by his decision to return. Quote, when Carl Urban introduced himself as Leonard McCoy and shook hands with Chris Pine, I burst into tears. That performance of his is so moving, so touching, and so powerful as Dr. McCoy, that I think DeForest Kelly would be smiling and maybe in tears as well. During the 2009 press conference for the first reboot movie, the late star was asked why he chose to return then. Nimoy said, quote, the makers of this film reawakened the passion in me that I had when we made the original film and series. I was put back in touch with what I cared about and liked about Star Trek and why I enjoyed being involved with Star Trek. So, it was an easy way to come on home. The star died during pre-production on 2016's Star Trek Beyond, so the film paid tribute to both him and Chekhov star Anton Yelchin, who had tragically perished at the age of just 27 a month before the film was released. Uh, 
So, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty moving thing, and I would agree. I mean, for me, Carl Urban is, is certainly one of the shining stars of the 2009 um, Star Trek movie series. Um, his portrayal of, of Bones is spot on, and it sounds like Nimoy was pretty moved by it. Yeah, and, and I, I thought that was a great article because, you know, Leonard Nimoy actually says in the article he came back to Star Trek because it made him remember and feel like he did when he made the movies and TV shows. And I think that's important for people to hear mm-hmm. that message right now because so many people, you don't know how many times I read, it's not Star Trek, it's not Star Trek, uh, from F, and it's like, well, you know what? It is Star Trek. So sit back and enjoy it like Leonard Nimoy did. So yep. anyways, we have a lot more news to mention. And before I do this next story, I have to play – I want to bring you guys into the mood. I want to set the mood for this next story. I love that theme song. The more I hear it, particularly the flute at the end there, oh, just awesome. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, that's the theme. That is the theme song for Star Trek Picard. And there's a reason why I'm playing that. That is because Hanalee Culpepper wins the NAACP Image Award for directing Star Trek Picard, which is an awesome achievement. Last week, the NAACP announced the winners of the 52nd Image Awards in a series of virtual events each night that week. The Image Award honors outstanding performances in film, television, music, and literature. And Star Trek came into the week with three nominations and took home one award. Culpepper won the Image Award for Outstanding Directing in a Drama Series for her work on the series premiere of Star Trek Picard Remembrance. Culpepper made a bit of Star Trek history when she was selected to helm the pilot for Picard, but she says it did not occur to her at the time. Quote, two years ago, right about this time, pre-pandemic, pre-BLM summer, I got the call. Alex Kurtzman loved my vision and was entrusting me to guide the return of a beloved hero, Captain Picard. 
Today I'm honored to be nominated for an NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Directing in a Drama Series for Star Trek Picard Pilot. When I got the job, I didn't realize that I was the first black director and first woman director to launch any Star Trek movie or series. Why? It never crossed my mind. I was too busy thinking about the work. 2021 is a bit of a homecoming for Star Trek and the Image Awards. Star Trek, the original series, won an award at the inaugural event in 1967 for its positive depiction of race relations in the future. It was at that event that Nichelle Nichols was famously convinced to stay on the Star Trek show by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And if you think about that, that in and of it is amazing. Star Trek got an, an award in 1967, and it had to wait all the way until 2021 to get another award. That that blows my mind, guys. That's yeah. incredible to think that it's been that long for Star Trek it's to true. win. It's uh, true, but it's nice to see. I, I will say that from my standpoint, it's kind of nice to see the new uh, folks at the helm of Star Trek really paying attention to that kind of stuff and making sure that they're getting lots and lots of different representation, uh, both in the actor side of things and of course in the production and directing side of things. So um, good for them for, you know, really focusing on that and pushing that. Um, I think it's good and it's very progressive of them. Yeah, I think that that's really great news, I think. And listen, guys, we're going to take another commercial break and we come back. Charles has some news to share with you guys about Star Trek Voyager. Don't touch that dial. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing Ship-to-Ship Tactical Combat for the Tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back. And, Charles, you've got some news to tell us about Star Trek Voyager, don't yeah. you? In fact, I got some more details out of the article. It's exclusive. Star Trek Voyager docu- documentary name revealed. At the beginning of this month, 455 Films launched a crowdfunding campaign for an untitled documentary about Star Trek Voyager campaign has been a huge success and as of the article was still ongoing it is now i believe completely finished and now they're ready to reveal the name of the documentary to the journey looking back at star trek voyager in addition to being an advocate of the show's premise of a ship lost the delta quadrant the name comes from the season finale, To the Journey. It was a toast given by Reginald Barkley <clears throat> in the original timeline 
at the reunion party for the crew back home on Earth. Last week, we reported that Voyager's documentary had announced a new stretch goal, which intends to remaster footage from Voyager using, using the documentary in high definition. At one point, they were going to say, we reach one goal, we'll do part of the movie. Part of what they'll do is they'll grab, grab clips from the original show and re-put them into high definition. Well, that goal got surpassed. And they hit a couple more goals before they finished. One goal was, they said, okay, let's see if we can, how many backers we can reach. They finished with over 10,000 backers. Now, the next goal is even more interesting. The current record for a documentary is approximately $1.1 million. The new docket, the search, the Voyager documentary, over $1.2 million. So this is probably one of the biggest crowdfunding documentaries ever, ever, ever backed. So this is going to be even bigger than what we left behind. And just the support that this, this, this thing got has been incredible. They can't guarantee how much they'll get to high definition only because we gotta work they gotta work with CBS and Paramount to get hold of libraries. And what you're literally doing is they can't just sit there and say, Oh, give us this one clip. No, we gotta research and find out what day that scene was filmed and they get the raw to go in and edit that footage and rebuild it into high depth. And if you're ever curious about that, go find yourself a DVD of what we left behind and look at the extended features. And they'll actually explain how that process is done. It's an incredible process, but it's a lot of work and a lot of time to sit there because these, because Voyager and Voyager and DS9 were never made in the proper format to actually get to high definition and it's an expensive process. They've done it to TNG but, and to uh, TOS, but they haven't done to anything else. It is so expensive. And um, Eric, we're not done with Leonard Nimoy yet, are we? No, and I'm so excited that we have Yet another article about him, Leonard Nimoy's family team up with the Museum of Science establish a live long and prosper Vulcan salute monument. That's right. The Museum of Science in Boston, one of the world's largest science centers and one of Boston's most popular attractions in collaboration with the family of Leonard Nimoy, legendary actor of the historic television series Star Trek, announced the development of a monument honoring the Boston native to be located at the Museum of Science. The 20-foot illuminated stainless steel monument designed by artist David Phillips will be shaped in the famous live long and prosper hand gesture that the actor's character, Mr. Spock, was known for. It will be located in front of the museum at Science Park, welcoming visitors and Star Trek fans from around the world. The live long and prosper symbol represents a message that my dad believed so strongly in, said Julie Nimoy, 
daughter of the entertainer. My dad always loved Boston, and he would be honored knowing that the Museum of Science would be the permanent home to this memorial. The sculpture not only depicts one of the world's most recognized and loved gestures for peace, tolerance, and diversity, but it will also be a beautiful tribute to my dad's life and legacy. The Museum of Science and the family of Leonard Nimoy will collaborate on the next phases of development of the Leonard Nimoy Memorial Sculpture, which will uh, include finalizing the site plan, fundraising, and construction. Those interested in donating to the Memorial Fund can visit mos.org slash Nimoy. Um, and I just think this would be super cool. It would be an awesome thing to have in Boston, um, this monument to Leonard Nimoy. Of course, uh, it makes me think of the uh, Janeway Memorial that was uh, just recently unveiled in Bloomington, Indiana. What a cool idea. I love it when Star Trek comes into pop culture and makes such a big impact. And I can guarantee you guys that when that, when that monument is, is ready, I will be there and I will get tons of pictures. And maybe if I can work it out with Charles and Eric, depending on the time differences and whatnot, uh, we'll do a live show right from that location so that you guys can be part of everything. So stay tuned for that. Now, I actually intended that to be the end of the news. However, things to how we're talking about Star Trek Enterprise tonight, I added one extra story in here tonight. And, Charles, that honor goes to you. Yep. Actually, I found this article, and I thought this was fascinating. And it links into today's show. Jonathan Frakes calls Enterprise finale an unpleasant memory. Commander William T. Riker on seven seasons of Star Trek Next Generation and Forest of Squinchel movies open up again on the whole Enterprise finale of these voyages. Do you want to know the truth about the whole Enterprise thing? As the show was called, Rick Berman, executive producer of all things all things Star Trek, called Marina and myself and said, we'd love you to do the last episode of Enterprise. They think it would be a Valentine present to the fans, but end up doing, I think, hurting Scott Bakula's feelings. He was such a gentleman about it. And I said to Scott, this is weird for me to be on your show and your show being taken off before it was before it should have been taken off. And he was such a gentleman about it. We're glad you're here. He was so awkward on all accounts except with working with Marina again, which all which is always lovely, but I wasn't crazy about it. And it was such a thinly connected, I thought, too. Thanks for bringing up such an unpleasant memory as he was mm, talking to Sci-Fi Wire. As he Very was talking to Sci-Fi Wire in an interview connected, I think, to a panel. But it was an interesting memory to realize how much how he felt about that show. And I don't completely blame so, him for that one. Let's dive right in and talk about Star Trek Enterprise. Our number here is 646-668-2433. We're going to talk about the pilot, the premiere episode, Broken Bow. And just as a reminder, here's the promo. 
It is the greatest adventure in television history. And now, the newest chapter in the Star Trek epic takes viewers where no one has gone before. Back to the beginning. Star Trek Enterprise. Take her out, Mr. Mayweather. Straight and steady. Scott Bakula stars as Jonathan Archer, captain of the Enterprise NX-01, and leader of the very first Enterprise crew. Since when do we have Vulcan science officers? It's only logical. They and their toys are the prototypes for every famous Star Trek crew to follow in their footsteps. They're called phase pistols. They have two settings, stun and kill. Stun seems to work. Their mission to search for and contact alien life forms. Some will be friendly. That's never happened before. Many will not. It's a Klingon. A Klingon. No matter how many light years they travel, prettiest that I ever saw. Their ultimate duty is the protection of their home on Earth. There's been an attack. There may have been a million casualties. Target Enterprise. Fire. This is television's greatest epic adventure. Packed with mind-blowing special visual effects. We left Earth to explore. That's what being human is all about. This is the crowning achievement of the greatest entertainment franchise of all time. We will complete this mission for all the citizens of Earth. This is where it all begins. Star Trek Enterprise. So the pilot episode, Broken Bow, is a double-length episode. It was originally aired on September 26, 2001. The broadcast saw the episode come in first place during that time slot with 16 million viewers watching with an average of 12 million. This represented the best ratings that UPN had received since Voyager, while also an increase of 42% over the finale of that series, Endgame. The episode won the 2002 Emmy Award for Outstanding Special Visual Effects for a Series and was also nominated for Sound Editing and Makeup. James Cromwell reprises the role of Zephyrin Cochran, who had previously played this character in the theatrical film Star Trek First Contact in 1996. The premiere of Broken Bow was at Paramount Theater on September 20, 2001. It was attended by the cast and crew of Enterprise, as well as several from Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek The Next Generation. In 2016, Hollywood Reporter rated Broken Bow as the 80th best episode of all Star Trek episodes. In 2017, GameSpot ranked this as the fourth best pilot episode of the Star Trek series. In 2016, Empire ranked this the 37th best out of the top 50 of all 700 episodes available at the time. In 2016, Sci-Fi ranked Broken Bow as the third best out of six Star Trek television pilots. And finally, in 2020, Screen Rank ranked Broken Bow as the fourth best episode of all Star Trek franchise television episodes. And Eric, what did our fans on our Facebook have to say about this episode? Well, uh, top fan Ed Gabe Olivia Rose gave it a 10. Uh, and- Top fan Alan Paget gave it a nine. 
Top fan Joe Mac McShane gave it a 9. Kevin Tripp gave it a 10. And Jan Brager gave it a 10. So if you do a little quick, quick math on that, guys, that averages out to about a 9.6, which is pretty, pretty darn good. So I just watched this episode before we came on, and I'm going to say right now, this is my favorite of all the Star Trek pilot episodes. For me, this is number one. This is the go-to episode. And the reason why I say that is, like with Discovery, where we got to see Saru grow into the captaincy and we got to see Michael fall and regain that mantle, Star Trek Enterprise actually shows us the, the crew being brought together, the captain inspecting the paint, the engineer working on the engines, we get to see everything happen before our eyes, and they leave on their first mission. And that's something that we don't see in Star Trek. Um, so this, it's a unique perspective. And I also like where it begins in the Star Trek world because this isn't the Star Trek that we're used to. This isn't the United Federation of Planets yet. And I think it's great. I think that this, this episode set, sets a great premise and had a lot of potential for Star Trek Enterprise. Um, unfortunately, I feel that for whatever reason, the writers, the producers just missed the mark just ever so slightly with Enterprise, and they didn't seem to get it back until it was too late and it had already been canceled. But I love this episode, and I'm right up there with all of our fans, uh, 9.6, 9.8. Um, that's just about where I would put it. it like I said, it's my favorite episode. I really, really enjoy this episode. So I'm, I'm going to give it a 9.8. How about you, Eric? Uh, well, you know, uh, I'm right up there, Jim. I think that uh, the first episode of DS9 is probably my favorite, but I think Broken Bow is right up there, and I think it's for some of the same reasons that you were just mentioning. Um, I like the fact that we get a crew that doesn't exactly know what's up, right? <laughs> they are uh, stepping out for the very first time. I think the episode does a really nice job of drawing these parallels between the lessons that Jonathan Archer learned from his dad. Uh, you know, they show those, those few uh, scenes where he's kind of flying the remote control shuttle uh, out on the beach. Uh, and, and the lessons that he that he learns, I think, are uniquely human, which are things like, uh, you know, trust your gut uh, or, you know, don't be afraid to take a leap of faith and, and go out there on a, on a limb, uh, even if you don't know exactly what's out there. Um, and I, that, I think, is really successful in this episode. I also, th also think it's particularly successful the way that they play the Vulcans uh, and their role that they've had in Starfleet so far uh, for the last 90 years. You know, we, we learn in this one that, uh, you know, this is set about 90 years after first contact. Uh, so the Vulcans have, have been around advising uh, the Earth as they develop their technologies and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, of course, the Vulcans take a uniquely conservative approach towards things. They don't don't really take risks. They analyze things to the nth degree, and then they execute a plan once they feel like they know exactly what's going on. And the episode not only shows how humans kind of work against that, and there's, 
there's a little bit of Top Gun feel to that, I think. You know, Jonathan Archer and Tripp and a few of the other characters really read as kind of flyboys uh, in this episode. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, that it's there, – there are a lot of lessons learned by not only the folks from the Federation, but also the folks the, – the Vulcans, um, frankly, you know, uh, specifically to Paul, who I think grows even in this little bit of episode, and then, of course, she grows immensely throughout the entire series, and we learn a lot about her and why she decides to stay on the Enterprise um, at the end of this episode. So, uh, man, there's so much to talk about. I don't want to take up all our time, but I love the recruiting scenes where he goes around, he grabs flocks, flocks is introduced. You know, basically he grabs flocks because flocks is the only doctor he's ever met that has ever met a Klingon before. (laughs) So I love that it's kind of just happenstance that flocks ends up on the ship. Um, He goes and he recruits Hoshi because he realizes what a valuable asset she's going to be. And I really like her in this episode, despite the fact that she's a little bit of a, a damsel in distress when they go down to the planet and they kind of have to save her. She still brings invaluable knowledge um, and, and trying to interpret Klingon for the first time, that sort of thing. Um, and there's this one line that T'Pol says that I think is just really, really, it's so Star Trek and it really resonates for me. She's talking... Um, I think to uh, to Hoshi, or maybe actually, I think she's talking to Trip, uh, or perhaps the captain. I can't remember. But but what she says is she says that 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 person has to learn to objectify other cultures. Oh, I know what it is. It's when Trip sees the mother weaning her kid off of the um, whatever they're breathing. Remember, there's that scene, and he he gets all bent out of shape because he thinks the mom is torturing the kid and to Paul's like listen dude you don't understand every single culture that's out here and it's best if you try and look at it all through an objective lens and I frankly think that human beings could stand with a little bit more of that in general looking at others who are different from them through an objective lens and evaluating them that way rather than saying oh they're not like me therefore they're wrong Um, so we could all learn a few lessons from to Paul I think uh, in this episode so I really dig this episode. I love how it sets up the temporal Cold War uh, plot line, which I think at this point in the story I'm very excited about. I think later on down the line it gets a little strung out and that sort of thing. But but at this point in the story it's very exciting and it's kind of a cool idea that um, you know people are are fighting a war across time. Um, so I really I really dig that. And then I just dig, finally, before I give it over to Charles, all the little things like, you know, Archer does his logs. He doesn't give star dates. He gives actual calendar dates, you know. And they're making a big deal about, you know, this thing maybe being able to travel warp five at its upper, uh, at its upper end. So it's just fun to go back to the beginning. And, I, you know, I think that preview you played, Jim, was a little – it oversold it just a little bit, but almost – not because it was a really, really strong episode, had a really strong plot, and gave a gave us a complete arc from beginning to end that was just solid. So I loved it. And, and what would you give it a, on a scale of one to ten? Do you agree with our fans? Yeah, I'm right up there. I'd give it a nine point five. I think it's a great uh, starter to a series and just a really strong episode of Enterprise. And um, before we're just we got to take another break, so I don't want to cut Charles off. So I just want to say 
a couple of more things. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Charles. And we're also going to talk about these are the voyages, which we just heard Jonathan Frakes comment about. So you guys don't want to go anywhere. You want to stick around because I think that conversation is going to be quite a bit different from the one we're having right now. You're going to have to hang out to find out. But Leslie and I were talking about uh, uh, sexism in Star Trek and Star Trek using sex to sell. And I think that Enterprise is very guilty of that particular thing. And this episode, being the pilot episode, starts that right out because if you recall, this is the first time where we see the famous decon gel being rubbed all over half-naked bodies. That starts in this episode. And there's also a scene where, uh, who was it, where uh, uh, Mayweather and, um, was it Trip? No, it wasn't Trip. It was the um, security guy. Um, are at this bar, and there's these these naked blue and pink. pink well, they're not really women because they're aliens, um, but they're eating butterflies out of the sky, which is clearly over-sexualized. And I think that this episode kind of sets that up for what we're going to see more of on Star Trek Enterprise. And I'm not really sure if that was good or bad. But if you guys like to hear more of that conversation, I just go back and check out our stunt tracks with myself and Leslie. I think it was last week. Might have been the week before. Two weeks yeah. ago. Anyways. You're, two, weeks week, ago. you're yeah. two weeks in the Prime Directive. Oh, that's right. We're doing Prime Directive right now. That's right. But I just found it interesting yeah. as I was watching that episode, I was thinking back to the conversation that Leslie and I were having about Star Trek using sex to sell. And then I think Enterprise is a really good example of that. And something else I want to mention real quick before we go to break is that when I was watching Enterprise before the show, I really got a strong feeling of of discovery in Enterprise. It feels like the same type of a show, like they were moving in that direction even in 2001. Um, and unfortunately, the show was canceled before it really got an opportunity to really grow into something that could have been very, very special, um, unfortunately. But um, I did enjoy it. I do like it. I thought it was a great show. And we got to take another break. So there we have it. I just wanted to fill a little bit of time up so we wouldn't have to cut off Charles. So listen, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to hear what Charles thought about the pilot episode of Enterprise, Broken Bow. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after we hear this promo for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. You asked. We listened. It's happening. Wow, I'm so glad I finally get to share this news with you guys. Speaking just for myself, I have never received more love from a fan base than I have from the Star Trek family. Without you, this wouldn't be happening. So thank you so much. I can't wait to put on that gold Starfleet uniform and deliver number one right along Captain Pike and Spock. It is a huge honor. And it means even more for us to be able to announce this right now at a time when so much of the planet is hurting. The ethos of Star Trek is so curious and welcoming and unifying. And we're going to get to work on a classic Star Trek show that deals with optimism and the future. Here we go. I can't wait. And I guess there's only one more thing to say. 
hit it. Oh, you, you can hit it, Anson. You can hit it. So anyways, guys, welcome back. We're talking about Star Trek Enterprise, and we're about to hear what Charles thought about the pilot episode. Hit it, Charles. Well, I'm surprised one thing you didn't mention on it that kind of is a tie-in towards Discovery, and this also shows the fact that it's post-Gene Roddenberry. One of the things that was always I heard mentioned the fact in when Gene was around, and they did it all the way through TOS through Voyager, is everybody got along. And in this series, not everybody gets along. We immediately see the captain challenge the ambassador. They, he openly, in front of an admiral, challenges the Vulcans to claiming they're holding them back. He stands up against his science officer and the fact that he'll challenge her. And I think she changes in time because of all of that. But you definitely see a point where not everybody gets along and there's a lot of problems. In it, they get in their first battle, and they can tell they're not ready for their first battle. But it's interesting just to see the early stages of what happened. And I agree, they kind of set up too bad they went into the Zindi War. And I think that's what took Enterprise apart. And I think that wasn't a direction they should have gone. They should have done a little bit closer trying to stay a little to what pre-existed, not creating their own <clears throat> their own future. As we hope that we'd Stranger World doesn't go too far out of the way. But it's a good premise. It's interesting to see the Caps still to the era of just like Kirk, of the Captain going down the planet and then being involved in the action which Riker will present later on in the future. But they got a good good hold and a good start in the series. And they had some good ideas to start with. We should have kept uh, one path and not the other. I think I'll give it about a nine. Good start. I have oh, decided cool. which is my favorite opener. If it's... DS9 or Discovery? Yeah, now Discovery is a, is, is a tricky one because uh, if we're going to talk about the Discovery uh, premiere, I guess it's difficult because uh, there's, there's more than one, I think. So we got to talk about that when we, when we get to Discovery as to what episode we think would be the premiere. We'll, we'll get to that later. Uh, but at any rate, um, and you know what else was cool? It was cool to see a transporter and people afraid to use it. I thought that was great. Kind of echoes McCoy later on in TOS. I chuckled when I heard that. Uh, so now we're going to talk about these are the voyages. And if you don't remember, here's the trailer. 
UVN Next. Just beyond the next planet. Just beyond the next star. The last hour. The last episode ever. One incredible goodbye. It's been a hell of a run. I believe I'm going to miss you. As distant future generations look back. A break is bigger than this. A lot of things change in 200 years. On her last heroic mission. How many died? 71. Her journey ends where the Federation begins. Here's to the next generation. Star Trek Enterprise. The final episode. UVN Next. Okay, you heard it. Uh, these are the voyages of the series finale of Star Trek Enterprise, the 22nd episode of the fourth season and the 98th episode of the series overall. It first aired on the UPN Network on May 13, 2005. These are the voyages is a frame story in which the 22nd century events of Star Trek Enterprise are recounted in the 24th century holodeck recreation that is insinuated in the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, The Pegasus. Reaction to these other voyages was negative. Critics and cast alike believe the Next Generation frame robbed the characters and their fans of closure and the death of, oh, excuse me, spoiler alert, black alert, black alert, the death of Commander Trip Tucker felt forced and unnecessary. The final episode attracted 3.8 million viewers the highest number since the previous season. After a strong premiere, Enterprise had grappled with declining ratings throughout its run. By the fourth season, fewer than 3 million viewers tuned in each week. These Are the Voyages was negatively received by both critics and the show's cast. Before the episode aired, Blaylock called the episode appalling. She followed up her remarks by saying she was upset over the finale being a Next Generation episode rather than an end for Enterprise. Connor Trenier, who played Commander Trip Tucker, felt the finale should have had a memorable farewell that he described as a mash moment. But the producers did not want such an element. Anthony Montgomery, who played Ensign Travis Mayweather, was similarly displeased with the finale and said, I feel there could have been a more effective way to wrap things up for our show, as well as the franchise as a whole. It just seemed to take a little bit away from what the Enterprise cast and crew worked so diligently achieved over the past four years. While Frakes enjoyed working with Sirtis again, he said, the reality is it was a bit of a stretch to have us shut down the Enterprise cast show, and that in hindsight, it was a disservice to them. Reviewers were also critical of The Next Generation's tie-in. Sci-Fi Weekly's Patrick Lee said the framing story reduces the Enterprise cast to the status quo of lab rat. We further noticed that even without the guest appearances, the episode did not live up to the best offerings of the season. And finally, Rob Salem of the Toronto Star said the cameos serve no narrative purpose and that the episode robs the characters and their fans of any significant long-term development, satisfying sense of closure. And Charles... What did our fans on our Facebook have to say? Okay. Larry Nolan gave it a five. Fun idea for an episode, minus some parts, but not an episode to end a series with. George Jenkins, nice idea, but terrible execution. So we gave it a two. Eric Morgan. Horrible episode and insult the series. Gave an absolute zero. Patrick Sanchez Ruiz. 
really? That's it? Come on. She's giving it a she's giving it a one. Andreas Casarius, not a good season finale, but a good episode. A hard seven. Leland Heffernan, the episode had some good moments as a single episode, but not as a season or series finale. Giving it a three. And those few scores we've got gives us a total of 3.25. And I'm not so, blaming fan for this one. So, Charles, why don't you lead us off? What did you think? Do you agree with the fans? Okay. Well, I had gone in and did a lot of binging on Enterprise. Once the Zindi War got done, I reached the point like I need a break, and I only got only reason I've got I've gotten through parts of, of season four because of our discussions on Trek talking. So today I actually got a chance, pulled it up, and actually watched it. And I looked at the episode and it's like, okay, why? And I did a little research. This actually ties in Okay, I'm here. I was like this ties okay. in and I'm not sure why, but in the season season seven, episode twelve of the next generation. That is when we had the issue with Riker and dealing with the Pegasus, the cloak ship, and what they ran the his previous command. And you kind of look at like, okay, because I saw the point like, okay, why are this episode came in filming, and I'm switching. This episode was filmed in 2005, except that TNG ended up in 94, and the movies end up in 2002. So, wait a minute, it's past 2002, Riker's command his own ship, yet we're looking to realize, oh, wait a minute, we're backtracking back to the TNG series. And it got me a little confused at that point. But the way he disjointed the series, he kind of broke in and he'd skip around in it. I thought it also interesting that he'd sit there and... I thought it interesting that they had a character in Enterprise called Chef. But Chef was actually never seen until the final episode. And in this episode, he plays Chef. So he's sitting there interacting with the characters of the ship, having knowledge of their history that he, of their history that they don't have of his. So it kind of banged around. And one of the most disappointing parts of the episode, I thought, was they talked about saying, oh, the captain's great speech at the end was something that Troy said, I had to study this in when she was in the academy. 
but do we get to hear the speech? Nope. We're not actually get to see what the speech was about. I said, oh, yeah, we know all about it. We're moving on. It's like, okay, he's having his great moment. He's worried about how this is going to work out. He's having his great moment, and we don't get to hear the speech. There's also a point of Paul saying she's going to be meeting Tripp's family and how that's going to go. And it's like, we never see that. It's like, it reminds me of, I think, how Voyager ended up. We saw an alternative reality to it. But when we came back to actually seeing the, seeing the finale to it, there was no ending to it. We didn't really get to see what happened. I think the episode that was smart enough to tie up all the loose ends was DS9. Sadly, no other series in Star Trek has actually tied up all the loose ends like it should have. So I, I take it that so, you're kind of with our fans on this one? I'm agreeing with the fans on it. I might go with a five. I don't five. think the tie-in with the, I don't think a, I don't think the tie-ins with TNG were necessary in this episode. Well, we we actually have think? a caller online here. Let's see <laughs> if I can get the phone to work here. Yes, that is. Hello, thank you for listening. Thank you for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Shannon, and I'm calling from Kentucky. Shannon, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are y'all doing tonight? Oh, we're doing great, and it's great to hear your voice. Thank you. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So So why why don't we take it from me and say, what does Shannon think about the uh, the episode? (laughs) Let's put her right on the hot seat. (laughs) No, that's fine. Um, Well, I had not watched the original until when I watched all the episodes like last, well, two years ago, I watched everything in order and I didn't really care for enterprise at first, but then when you watch it in order, it's actually a lot better than, you know, when I saw it sporadically, but I didn't like the end at all. I thought it cheated the whole story because it made it, you know, you couldn't see anything happen at the end. It all just was around Riker and Troy and, that didn't make any sense to me after watching it. I was really disappointed in the whole thing. It's almost yeah, as bad yeah, sure. as one of the characters getting pregnant by touching somebody. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think that one of our fans mentioned it. I think this would have been a, a, a spectacular episode had it been episode three, four, ten, twelve, something like that, mm-hmm. in the middle somewhere, and we got a little flashback and we got to see Riker mm-hmm. and Troy again and whatnot, it would have been spectacular. It would have been very yeah. well received, and it probably would have been one of the better episodes of the season. But to make it the final episode, it was terrible. It was Yeah, because, yeah. It was bad. From, <laughs> yeah. Well, for mine, you know, like I said, I hadn't originally liked Enterprise, but because it wasn't the Federation. And I thought it was funny when my kid was watching that episode with me because the other ones weren't the Federation, which is why he wasn't like a regular captain we knew of. Like they during the war they stole, they let people die, which you don't think of as 
you know, the Federation, but that was before the Federation. So I really wanted to hear his speech when he, the Federation started, and we didn't get to hear any of it. And I think, Shannon, that that was the, one of the biggest missteps of Enterprise is that if they had shown us, they started, we got to meet Shran, which was a spectacular mm-hmm. character. We yes. got to see a lot of the formation of the Federation, but they never followed through on that. They dropped mm-hmm. the ball. Had they shown us the birth of the Federation, had we been able to hear Archer's speech, had we got to see the UFP flag raised for the first time, had we got to see all these things, I think Enterprise could have been a different show, but they mm-hmm. they chose not to go in that direction, unfortunately. We'll never know. <laughs> so, yeah. Eric, what do you think? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, not to not to heap on top of the pile too much here, but, um, you know, I, I'll even disagree, I think, a little bit with you, Jim, where you said it, it might be a good episode if it wasn't, uh, you know, the final episode. I... I actually think that even then it wouldn't be a good episode, <laughs> and here's why. Um, I think the story is all over the place. Uh, you don't really know whether you're supposed to care about the Shran story with his daughter getting stolen, which, by the way, Shran getting involved in shady business dealings and that being the reason that his daughter gets taken away, heck no. He is a man of honor. That's a totally ridiculous storyline doesn't fit with his character at all. So that that's totally unbelievable. You have um, Riker playing chef, which is kind of an interesting idea, and yet was he chef all the time? No. Was there chef character all the time? Maybe certainly the conversations then that, that he was having with all of the characters on board were not historical, right? They were the conversations that those characters would have had if Riker was the chef asking the questions. So that, that whole idea of him kind of trying to get insight from characters from the past um, doesn't work with him as the chef because he's now influencing the whole thing. So it, like from a story standpoint, that didn't really, that didn't really work either. And then, of course, yeah, what you, everything you guys are saying about the fact that there's all this buildup about them being the genesis of the Federation and not actually getting to hear the, the speech or, or see the story at all. So um, just a real kind of like it was really, of course, everybody's already said it, but it was really much more of a next generation episode, I think, than it was uh, an Enterprise episode. And it certainly did a disservice. I think part of it had to do with the fact that, you know, the way that they used to to do these shows is you you almost didn't know until one season was over whether or not you were going to have a next season, right? And yeah. I think that the cancellation of Enterprise was maybe a little bit unexpected, and they kind of had to wrap it up in a way that um, that they didn't really want to wrap it up at the end. Um, it wasn't like it was planned out. You know, it wasn't like all season four they knew that this was going to be the last season. They were expecting a season five, and they didn't get it. Uh, that was unfortunate, uh, and probably one of the reasons it was not a great episode. And, you know, the one thing I will say is I am sorry, spoiler alert, you already said the trip died. At least he died saving some other people. So there was some, uh, you know, uh, heroism, I guess, to his, to his death. It was still, it was still kind of weak. <laughs> 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 um, 
and then there's like little token moments thrown in. You know, they throw in Vita's voice at one point, which of course brings you even more out of the Enterprise story. There are these beautiful shots of the Enterprise D, um, which probably don't belong in an Enterprise mm-hmm. episode. So, um, yeah, it was just re- it's really tough to watch. I hate to totally rip on one episode, and I was really looking for things to like. I watched this. I've probably seen this episode at least a half dozen times, if not more. I kept looking for really the kernel of awesomeness. I was like, there has to be a kernel of awesomeness. <laughs> and if there is one, I'll just say that um, that it's kind of the way that all of the characters are able to say goodbye to each other in different ways throughout the episode. Even though we're not collectively able to say goodbye to them or actually get closure ourselves, there are certain moments where, you know, T'Pol and, and Trip have a nice moment or Archer and T'Pol have a nice moment and that sort of thing. So little tiny lights in a sea of darkness for this one for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so what would you, would you agree with our fans? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go. Yeah. I mean, I think three is probably even being a little generous. It's, it's awful. Uh, there are a few episodes of Star Trek I can think of that are, that are worse than this one. Um, you know, I can certainly <laughs> name some, but but this one's right. The, the last episode of the original series was horrible. Yeah, and then you know, one of the first like three or four episodes of TNG was really awful. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, it's, really a, awful it's the third episode. Yes, it is. So. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Shane. Well, so, yeah, yeah. Totally. I, I agree. <laughs> I I think a three might even be too good, actually. But you know what? <laughs> I do have something good about this episode. I oh, actually okay, do. Let's hear it. And I okay. Okay. You ready? Here yeah. it is. Uh-huh. Space. The final yeah. frontier. Yeah. Yeah. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission. <laughs> to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Okay, that was the best part. Would you not agree? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely one of the best parts. Yeah. I wish they'd fixed the line that would have been in there that they'd done from the movies and changed the line from man to no one. Yeah, but yeah, it was I an old, they they were doing do a throwback, probably. Yeah. I think they were yeah, concerned I, I, with con- with continuity there, and, you know, I think in retrospect, if they did it these days, I think they would change it to no one and they wouldn't care mm-hmm. that it was inconsistent with the original series. Well, I think that, I think that they, by doing what, by doing that right there, they're kind of saying, they're kind of saying to the fans, look, this is the formation of the Federation. And this is why, because here we have Picard and, you know, here we have, uh, um, you know, Archer and here we have Shatner, and they're all together saying the same monologue at the same time for the same show, and it's kind of, kind of like a send-off. It's kind of like saying, okay, you know, we screwed the pooch on this one. We're sorry, but 
here's a little something to make it. Here's a little token to make it better for you. So, <laughs> so well, that's I did find you know, that's something good to say. I want in a. I want a fan fundraiser for season five of Enterprise because that would be awesome. I would love to get just a little bit more to kind of close it out. Yeah, yeah, because if Star Trek continues, the next two seasons were so much better with an ending as a show. Totally. As I said earlier, I think Enterprise gets ragged on a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that Star Trek Enterprise had a lot of potential. It really, really mm-hmm. does. I think they made some bad decisions, but I think I think they were getting back on track when the show got canceled. And I think some of the best episodes are in season four. And I think if they had given it a chance, it may have become something so much more. Um, but we'll mm-hmm. never know. But you know what? Give it a chance, guys. Go back and watch it. I can name a couple of excellent. If you if you've never watched Enterprise, listen to your Uncle Jim right now. Start with the pilot <laughs> episode. Watch watch the first one, okay? Then jump off jump off to season two's Regeneration. Fantastic. Also, check out Carbon Creek, another fantastic episode. You ever wonder where Velcro came from? Watch that episode, and you'll know. <laughs> watch those episodes. All right, and give Enterprise a chance. I think you'll find there's a lot of diamonds in the rough. Okay, mm-hmm. just just trust me on this one. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> we're out of time. We got to wrap up another show. Hard to believe, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. Uh, Again, I just want to say, remind you guys in the UK, please, please head over to Truck Talking and Beyond and send me a message. Just say, hey, Uncle Jim, I listen to the show. I'm in the UK. Let me know, and I will send you something special in the mail for for making that that ranking so high for the second week in a row. Uh, five point eight was it? Five point eighteen last week. Five point three zero this week. Uh, we broke a record last week. We broke a record this week. So that's incredible. I want to say thank you to you guys in the UK. So shoot me a message, and I'll shoot you something special in the mail. I also want to say thank you so much. To my Trek experts, we'll start off with Eric. Thank you for joining us tonight and Trek talking with us, Eric. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. And Shannon as well. Oh, yep. thank and, you. and Shannon, of course. Thank you for, for joining us. It's been a while, and it's great to hear your voice again, Shannon. So thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be back. You're always welcome here. And, of course, Charles. We couldn't do the show without Charles. So thank you very much for hanging out and Trek talking with us, Charles. Oh, thank you, Jim. It's always fun talking track. It, it, it and is. having it our guests. So quick. And yeah. uh, I want to let you guys know that next week we're going to set the clock all, all the way back to where this whole thing began, and we're going to talk about The Cage. Classic episode. Wow. So uh, you guys want to blow the dust off of that one and watch it. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about the pilot, got the pilot for TOS, where no man has gone before. Um, or is it the man trap? I don't know, but I picked where no man has gone before. So we're going to talk about the cage and where no man has gone before next week. So you want to hang out for that one as well. I'm your host, Uncle Jim, saying thank you so much. Wherever you are listening right now, we really appreciate it. We couldn't do the show without you guys, and we really appreciate it. 
Make sure you visit us on our Facebook page. Make sure you tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all. Prosper. Bye, guys. <laughs> Let's see what's out there. Engage.